Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. We do those two things exclusively. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Barris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry, University of Colorado, Boulder. Welcome to the twilight of democracy, Zach. Just, uh... We're recording this podcast on January 6th, 2021, which uh, may end up in history books at some point. As a person who's lived in both Colorado and California, love a good sunset. <laughs> love a good sunset. Oh, uh, gallows humor. It's it's incredible. You actually texted me today, Zach, like, mm -hmm. uh, hey. <laughs> I mean, you're not one to text about every little political thing, but apparently no. when... Uh, People storm the Capitol. Yeah, when insurrection is violence, violence happens. Uh, I have a group text with three people that I am quick to to alert folks to. <laughs> it's it's insane. I mean, as uh, enough people have said already. I mean, uh, terrifying that this is that this is happening. Also, just really makes some things pretty clear. The response to protesters this summer versus the response to these uh, armed white people uh, this year. Uh, a lot of folks saying if these were black protesters, their response would be very different. Uh, I also think that is true. It is just, it's insane to see it play out uh, in that way. Maybe shouldn't be surprising. Uh, we have pessimistic anthropologies and yet still to see it play out on your television screen uh, is, is insane. What, uh, but what like, Besides uh, the all-powerful social media post uh, about it, what uh, what what ought a preacher do? I think the primary thing a preacher response? should do is log on to www.facebook.com um, and uh, post a statement. Remember, the statement needs to begin with "It is with great." Uh, and then insert your emotion before you get to say that you're making a statement. Before you do, uh, I don't know, Matt. Um, I think it's worth mentioning we are recording today, January 6th, on the Epiphany, uh, which, oof, maybe here's your angle here. Um, I actually, I mean, I think, please, we are still so close to it. It's still ongoing. We don't know how this thing's going to end because it's not yet ended as of our recording. Um, I do wonder if there is some value. Uh, one of the issues with systematic uh, racism in particular is that it is um, not always like explicit like it's no longer like water fountain signs you know um so perhaps it is somewhat helpful that that what has been uh true and i don't know if implicit's the right word um uh, perhaps it is now unavoidable i mean certainly it's it's unavoidable in the realities of it um perhaps that makes it easier to address and 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 maybe that's a helpful thing um I don't know, uh, Matt, what the preacher's response right now should be. Do you have ideas? Well, I guess I guess my initial, because I don't know either, but I think I think what's coming to me at the moment um, is that sometimes sometimes you just need to state the obvious, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, as Enneagram Force, sometimes we want to look for the the hot take, the thing no one else is saying. Uh, and there's there's value in that, right? But sometimes you do just have to start by like stating the obvious. I remember 
um, when Black Lives Matter arose as uh, as as the rallying cry back in uh, 2014 uh, or so. Like my initial response was like, well, that just it just seems like stating the obvious. Like like that was my it, w- it wasn't like I was opposed. To, I just thought it was like stating the obvious and. It, and yet in retros and I so I, I even said that in the survey, like it seems like this is too obvious to say and yet we need to to say it. Uh and looking back, it's it just seems even more clear to me that like yeah, like sometimes you need to just say the obvious thing, uh and be one more uh among the voices that are saying, Yeah, this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. save your hot take. Just say the obvious and then you can continue to think about like the new creative thing you can say about it. But um, maybe you don't need to start. No, maybe you don't need to wait until you think of the hot take. Yeah. I mean, I think this is... It's a difficult... I think this is actually, like, in a, a pretty... Baseball metaphor coming. Kind of a difficult pitch to hit. Um, because it is... It's so obvious. And that it's so obviously... Wrong. Um... That you and but it's also so. It's, it's such a big deal. You're gonna have. It feels like you have to talk about it. Uh, it'd be very strange to preach on Sunday and not mention this uh, at all. But it also doesn't feel like it would require a great amount of like courage or like prophetic vision sure. to, den- to denounce this. Yeah. Right, and so that's not the. I don't think that's the move because what are you going to accomplish by like? Right. Yeah. So that. So then I'd say like part two. Then, um, I mean, part of it is like, it's not that everything we say has to like. I feel like that's one of our temptations, right? Is to want like everything we say to be like this earth-shattering thing, and sometimes it's not. Right? Like sometimes, uh, just saying Jesus loves you. There's the gospel, uh, and it's not unique uh it's not but it's it's the thing that needs to be said and so you to start there but then i think the other move is also like to redirect uh redirect to the work you know redirect to the um and i don't mean that in the works righteousness way but just simply in a re refocus refocus um which is to say like so one of the things that's really that started to bother me today as well is that like today should be a moment of real triumph for black people who organized and did the work and built coalitions, multiracial coalitions uh, in Georgia. Uh, I mean, just a, a powerful, powerful day. And instead, uh, we have to talk about this. But really, like, this is the work that's worth doing, right? Like the social media post, fine, do it, but don't spend all your time on that. Like, this is the work that actually makes the change is all of that organizing the door knocking the phone calls. Um, and now I take different forms at a church, right? It's the meals that you serve. It's the advocacy that you do. It's the organizing that you do. Like, um, this is how Jesus works day by day, which maybe we'll talk about in these texts where Jesus builds his team, right? Puts his coalition together, goes out, uh, lives the gospel, um, that that is the kind of uh, work that we need to to continue to do in the world, right? And to redirect uh, to those things because we need to name that it's wrong, but the other temptation is for it to become such a distraction that we lose focus uh, on what God's called us to do, right? I wonder if the move is to go understated, uh, an understated, like, uh, acknowledgement of what has happened. Um, I preached on one th- on January 3rd, and I thought I had a pretty good one, actually. And the one of the angles that I took was, because uh, it was the first Sunday of the new year, was to say, um, who could have seen 2020 coming? 
pestilence, natural disasters, broken society. Who could have seen this coming unless you like happen to read the Bible from time to time? Um, that this that, that to embrace that sort of negative anthropology, um, to embrace those stories, to say this is not surprising. Um, this is not like if we if you've been engaged in the in in the world uh, from the perspective of the gospel is not surprising at all, right? This is what we should expect, um, and to treat it as a not a distraction, right? Like I mean, that's the or to name it as a somewhat of a distraction from the work of uh, the work, you know. Yeah. 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 No, I think I think that's it. I mean, I think that's the other thing that's been um, that's another thing that has been interesting uh, preaching in the context where I preach. I mean, so we can have this pessimistic anthropology uh, theologically and and theoretically, uh, which which we do as Lutherans. But there are also uh, whole communities in the world that have a, a lived experience right of this. Uh, being a daily reality, a pessimistic anthropology, right? It's easy for us to be like, I can decide what kind of anthropology I want to have. Uh, but right, if you've got a different experience in the world, like, no, this is just like, this is another day. Um, uh, and so, yeah, the work continues, right? The work continues. And so, um, yes, every, everything that you just said uh, and, and, and then, you know, woven into like, yeah, the, if you're engaged in the work daily, like this is, in some ways it's not and and if you have this historical perspective yeah in some ways this is a crazy uh puncture <laughs> in in the fabric uh, in other ways it is the natural it's it's part of what's been happening for a very long time two uh things coming on immediately or quickly uh in terms of preaching um I think there's a pretty obvious connection. We're recording on the day of Epiphany. Um, <laughs> we are. And this happened uh, on the day of Epiphany, the day in which the light shines uh, in the darkness and yeah. uh, proclaims life, but it also reveals the truth of uh, the world and who uh, we are. Um, so, hey, that'll preach. Uh, and then I'm not sure, I know you can do like the obvious, like the, the Jesus thing that comes to mind is Jesus laying siege to the temple. Um, and uh, I imagine it would not be very difficult to draw some contrast uh, to what Jesus was about laying siege to the temple uh, versus what other folks might be yeah. about laying siege. Yeah. Well, I think um, oh my gosh, yeah. No relevance. And actually, at I'm going to go, go level deeper, Matt. I'm going to go level deeper. Yeah, because if you're go for it, because that's our people can handle going a level deeper. Uh, I I really enjoy eighth century prophets. We've talked about it before in the podcast. Uh, BCE, your Amoses, your Micahs, uh, your Hoseas, uh, some Isaiahs, um, oldest stuff in the Bible. Worth noting. I think we're going to talk about uh, the Reverend Senator uh, Raphael Warnock. Um, who uh, comes in a tradition that likes to use some of those prophetic voices and the behind the behind the scenes of those uh, of of Micah and Amos 
in particular was that uh, they, were, they, they wrote in like the 700s BCE. Uh, and at the end of the 700s, things got really bad for uh, uh, the Judeans and the Israelites. The um, Assyrians came from the north and eventually destroyed them all. And in 721, uh, they came down to Jerusalem. The northern kingdom, the Israel, Israel fell, but but the southern kingdom held uh, because they had fortified and built a wall around Jerusalem so that you could not lay siege to it. Amos's and Amos and Micah's critique was that they conscripted the labor of poor people in the countryside to come in and do those that construction to build the walls. Uh, OSHA. Uh, was not very tightly run ship back then. Uh, people common like people. I mean, still today in major construction projects, people die. Uh, in BCE, seventh century BCE, a lot of people died to build stuff. Uh, it left behind widows. Uh, sometimes when folks went to the city, uh, soldiers in the countryside would just take their property and their families. Um, and so, super meta here, or not meta, but in depth in the weeds here. Um, Amos and Micah is writing are, are writing a critique about people who are obsessed with a fear of siege um, and, see, and see siege warfare as as the ultimate power struggle. And I think Amos, Micah, and Jesus have a different way of viewing the world as in what's really important. That's what people come here for. Really like eighth century prophets. Seventh. That'll be on one of our eighth. No, you're right. Eighth century. I apologize, man. It gets confusing because it's the 700s, but it's the eighth century BCE. You know, it's uh, I the front of the T-shirt will say, "I really like eighth century prophets." The back will say, "It gets confusing because." <laughs> and then I'll I mean, the 700s. Small font. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. But how about that, Matt? A clergy's going to the Senate, and it's not one of us. <laughs> I thought we had a shot. I mean, I've thought about running for senator of California. There's uh, not a lot of competition out hey, here. You don't even got to get elected. Uh, for the Democratic you don't even get nomination. Your buddy Gavin to appoint you. There's an empty seat. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I yeah. think a Lutheran pastor should fill Kamala's. Definitely, definitely seat. a white male mm-hmm. uh, Lutheran pastor is definitely what California. That's what the people of California needs. need. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, Reverend Warnock. Uh, I have uh, I'd heard of him before because I'd seen him preach twice uh, in person. He'd come out to Seattle, Washington, for some um, like he gave like a, he was a guest preacher at some event, uh, and it was I like I still remember, he's like, he gave the sermon about the rich man in the bar, who builds the barns, told all of his stuff, and it was hilarious. Like he told this very prophetic sermon that was also hilarious. Like a lot of these sermons really are. Like it just finds, finds the humor, but it's a, a humor that exposes uh, this reality. I mean, it's just is is a brilliant preacher. Uh, and then I heard him again at the Festival of Homiletics in Atlanta uh, a few years back. And so he's on that circuit of, uh, <laughs> of preachers that go to the Festival of Homiletics, right? Uh, and also, of course, the the preacher at uh, Dr. King's old church there, Ebenezer. Um, so just, yeah, amazing to see uh, him now elected to one of the 50 U.S. senators. Um, and, I, and also just an elevation uh, of, uh, I mean, I guess in, I'm trying to think of a better hot take word for it, uh, but 
the press will call it the religious left, right? So this different uh, interpretation of Christianity than usually has the microphone. Um, so that's just an interesting, uh, that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes. I read an article not too long ago about how, like, in the olden days, it was fairly common for clergy to be in the Congress. Uh, and that uh, Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because they were literate, powerful people in communities and stuff. Sure. You know? Right. Um, but right. That, that, that it's been a real uh, falling off of those in recent decades. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we wish him well, and uh, I'm interested to... Can't wait till for him to come on the podcast. Right? I know. I know. I mean, he didn't come on the podcast. He still won. Uh, but I think he, I mean, he only won by a point and a half him. if he had come on the podcast. <laughs> right, right. Would have been even higher. Three? I think we could have we could have cleared uh, Nate Silver's projections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. They would have been talking about us on the 538 live right. blog. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Perry Bacon. I'd like to talk to you about the Vinyl Preacher bump. It's real. It's real. <laughs> and then I'll do a whole analysis of whether the Vinyl Preacher bump is real. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, like, well, it hasn't seemed to hurt Kevin Strickland. Um. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> Man. Well, I don't think these texts are going to have anything to do no. uh, with real politique uh let's talk about the text t4t first samuel 3 1 to let's say 20 it's a good one i don't know zach usually you're like i don't like these texts the lectionary has chosen for us we'll see how these turn out i man okay here we go greatest hits first samuel 3 now the boy samuel was ministering to the lord under eli the word of the lord was rare in those days visions we're not widespread. They just setting up the preacher it's right there. Line. Just setting it up for you on a platter. Killer. Here you go. Killer line. Here you go. Don't fill it. Oh, at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun <laughs> to grow dim, nobody can see. So nothing. that he, so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God. Was this is apparently where he sleeps? So uh, I, I don't keep know if you got a bunk bed in there or what? Under my pillow. It's <laughs> yeah. where I put my teeth when the toothpick comes. <laughs> it's a good. Uh, it's a good idea, or not? We'll see how this goes for Samuel. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, "Here I am," and ran to Eli. Because uh, Eli was calling, he said, "Here I am," for you called me. But uh, Eli said, "I I did not call. Lie down again." And so Samuel went and he lay down again. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. That's two times. I wonder if the third time is going to be different. Oh, two classic times, literary two form. Times. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. What? Mm. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Samuel, really, just, again. Uh, Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
So Samuel went and lay down in his place. What a setup. Now, we move to a new scene. It's almost like, oh, new paragraph. Now, the Lord came and stood there, (laughs) calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, see, see, something about eyesight earlier, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. <laughs> got, that, got that pert plus right there. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. Oof. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. It's a little light news to deliver to you. <laughs> Your first message is Sam- super chill. Now notice, Samuel has been running to Eli immediately after things happened. But now after that word from the Lord, <laughs> yeah. you would think, like God just talked to me and he told me some stuff. Got you it. would think he'd go running. But instead, Samuel lay there until morning. I got morning. a cup of coffee. That is some heavy shit. Got a, real, got a few errands to hit on the way over to Eli's place. <laughs> yeah, he has taken his time. Samuel lay there until it doesn't say he slept. It just says he, he lay just there. Laid there. Right, like he it's Christmas morning for bad stuff. Oh my gosh! Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision. Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, oh, this is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. It's the same, a little little echo of before there, huh? Mm -hmm. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So... Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then Eli said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Word of God, word of life. Yikes. What a good one. I mean, terrifying, kind of. I mean, definitely totally terrifying, probably, oh. but, but a good one. Where do you even begin? I mean, it's it's a. I feel like it's a preacher's dream. You could just yeah. spend time telling the story mm-hmm. uh, and breaking it down, really, in a Reverend Warnock way, the same way that I've heard him talk about the rich man in the barn. You just break this thing down, and there is so much uh, going on here. Uh, I'm especially... Oh my gosh, what am I drawn to here? I mean, so, so much, uh, so much here. I, I think the the thing about Eli is really interesting in the context uh, of, of what's going on, of culpability. Uh, his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. The, 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 the damnation here is not against Eli, it's, but it's against, I mean, it's his sons mm-hmm. that, that have effed up, but Eli has not stepped in. 
to do anything about it, right? He's just sat on the sidelines and let his sons have have free reign. Uh, and that, oof, I mean, it's almost more heartbreaking that way, right? It'd be one thing if Eli was like a mustache-twirling villain, uh, but he's, he's a doddering old man here. His eyesight has begun to grow dim. He's lying down uh, in his room. And then, of course, this heartbreak uh, at the end where Samuel is, is afraid to tell Eli, and Eli almost gives him permission uh, and then demands. <laughs> it's almost, I, but it strikes me, like, the way that I read that almost is that, like, I mean, it sounds like he's threatening uh, Samuel, and you could you could read it that way, but it's almost like he's really giving him permission, right? By saying, you can't choose, like, you must tell me this. He's taking the weight off of Samuel's shoulder uh, and not even giving him the option of holding that to himself. Um, and, then, and then Eli's response. I mean, how long, how long of a pause do you need between hit nothing from him and then Eli said, is, is that... I mean, I just, I feel like that, if you're, t- if you're a biblical storyteller, just pause there for a while to let it sink in. And then he says, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. I, uh, Matt, I just watched Let Them All Talk uh, on HBO Max exclusive. <laughs> really interesting movie with incredible uh, Rotten Tomatoes ratio. One of my issues with it is I didn't like any of the characters. You know, like that's a bad movie when you're like, which one of these am I supposed to like? Because I don't care about or like any of these people. Uh, And I don't know that it's that I like both of these characters, but that there is not. I like that in the story, there's not a bad guy Um, Mm. that. uh, Yeah. Another way you could state uh, what Eli does here uh, is you could convince him. uh, That's really I mean, there are so many power lines here, but it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. His ability to hear things he he would not necessarily want to hear his ability to hear bad news uh, turns out is admirable, uh, I think. Right. And to accept the uh, I mean, that epiphany light shining, right, to reveal the truth of of who we are and who God is and what God hopes for us. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, right, like Samuel's not a pure superhero here. Samuel can't see God. Like uh, his vision is blurred, right? There, There's a movement from that to, to not a single word falling to the ground. But that doesn't necessarily yeah. seem to be, it's not Samuel's work, you know? Uh, it takes, Yeah. they both grow in this story. Uh, they both, ironically, have clear vision at the end of it which is important for Samuel and uh, spoilers for the Gospel of John you gotta be able to see yeah yeah I'll be interested to circle back to after we cause I I mean here's a complimentary uh, text to this Gospel which is you know clearly about uh, call and so I wonder how those things I wonder how they'll tie together I wonder how they apply I mean this is a story about Samuel uh, and then we'll get a story about the calling of the disciples. I wonder how they relate to our call in the same way that we talked about baptism and whether it's the same for us, mm-hmm. uh, whether there's a difference. I wonder how those things break down. And uh, I mean, even if it's a different story, what we can glean from this uh, as people of God and our time and place. Yeah. So I'm going to do my best here, Matt, to help us unpack a little bit of the John 
world John language uh, because we're still pretty early on. We're at the end of chapter one. Previous to our reading uh, for this week, Jesus has already called some folks. Uh, Simon gets named, I believe, in uh, preceding verses. Uh, And in the middle of that, still chapter one, Jesus decides to go to Galilee. And there he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, you should know, Matt, that Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Uh, pull back, pulling back the curtain just a bit here, uh, that sounds natural to us. Uh, to ancient ears, that would have been a very confounding uh, jarring statement. Who you were, Matt, was, uh, which is what call is about, discerning who you are, um, is what I think the essential of, of, of what your call is. It's about discerning who you are and how you be, That's because that's how you figure out how to be the person you are in the place and time in which you find yourselves. Um, but in the ancient Near East, who you were was determined by the circumstances of your birth completely, solely, wholly, uh, in a way that is hard for us in the individualistic West uh, to comprehend. Uh, and so uh, Philip finds Nathaniel and he introduces Jesus to him by saying, I found about him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. He's giving this like super like I have found, you know, Jesus, a uh, high accoladed person. And then he says, it's Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Uh, I didn't know until I did the research this week, Matt, but that Nazareth is not mentioned in the Bible at all until the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament names everything, right? Like, and they're like, and that is why from that place, that point forward, that rock was known as the rock where Moses uh, uh, one time stopped to tie his sandal. Uh, they name everything. They never bothered to mention Nazareth because it didn't matter. It was a teeny weeny village. And if you go visit it today, Matt, still not a very significant or big place and way out of the way and kind of a pain to get up to and not worth it. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, so they say, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And uh, what that says is, oh, it's a person of no importance whose father was nobody uh, who comes from uh, from BFE. Uh, and so to say those two things about the same person, that person could not be royal in the way uh, or significant or important. And so Nathaniel responds, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see, which, which is the, the language that, that Jesus previously used to call some of the first disciples. Now we shift to another scene. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, and he said, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Uh, and that uh, turns out a little uh, metaphor, phrase, I don't know what you call it, uh, figure of speech. In the ancient Near East, uh, under the fig tree, the fig tree uh, referred to your house or your home. So you just say, Jesus is saying, I saw you in your house, in your private place, which I think is, I mean, you know what I'm saying. What? Uh, okay, let me be really clear here. Uh, Jesus saw you in the place where you thought you were protected from outside eyes. Uh, Jesus but Jesus yeah. says Heimdall uh, and Thor, he sees all. He's yeah. watching you. There you go. That's much, thank you for saving you know. me. There, Matt private places. Uh, And Nathanael responds, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, do you believe uh, because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, you will, here's the important part, see greater things than these. 
Uh, and he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see, see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Uh, one other thing that's really important to lift up in John, that's a thing throughout, it's a key to help you decipher and understand what's going on. Uh, belonging to or believing in, it's the same kind of idea to Jesus, is like the point of John. And the only way to do it in John is by seeing. Uh, you have to see to believe in John. And so this emphasis of come and see, uh, you will see the great things. Um, that's what we're setting up here and opening uh, us into. In fact, that's the whole point. If you go to the last verses of John, uh, these Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. It's a great line. Uh, Jesus did many things that are not written in this book. We didn't have time to write it down. There's a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> paper is in short supply. Ink was hard to come by. Uh, but these are written that you may come to believe, to recognize uh, that Jesus... Uh, is the Son of God, um, that through believing, through belonging, you might have life in his name. The point of the book of John is that people would come to recognize, come to see Jesus, come to see the way things really are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating, the connection of, I mean, initially you think there's just a call uh, connection between these two stories, but that sight uh is also a through line that's really it's fascinating fascinating stuff I wonder uh, you know sometimes we talk about call uh, as like here's the thing you're supposed to do uh, and so that's very easy for this to become one of those sermons where we tell people what to do I know those are your favorite kinds Zach. I love them I of love the point of a sermon is instructions basic instructions for living on earth before leaving Earth? Egg. There we go. Before leaving Earth? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, tell me what to do. Uh, but I also like, I wonder if, I wonder if part of the good news today could also be like, um, that there's a liberation element too, that God liberates mm. us to follow, that God unleashes us to follow, God gives us permission to follow. Um, the fact that God's word initiates uh, in each of these cases, the Lord calling Samuel, Samuel, uh, Jesus saying, follow me. Uh, it's a it's a liberative move. And everything that God says from that point, uh, everything that Jesus says, that, that initial act is what liberates them to be who they really are, uh, to be who God has made them to be. Uh, and so I think that might give you a way to like keep God as the subject of the sentence, right? Mm -hmm. That God liberates us to then be <laughs> yeah. who we're called to be. Um, and I just, I think it's really interesting that in, in no case is it, uh, I mean, we always like, as good individualistic Americans, we always want to talk about taking the initiative. Uh, but none, neither of these stories are about the, the individuals taking the initiative. Like in each case, God uh, initiates the action. But then another person, like Eli, gives Samuel permission to like tell him the truth, right? It takes Eli then handing that permission over to Samuel. And then even in this next story, uh, where uh, Philip uh, goes to Nathaniel, 
and keeps that chain going, right? Passes on the, the permission that Jesus gave to him, then liberates his neighbor. Uh, and, and even there doesn't even, uh, it's not even a coercive thing of like, now go follow Jesus. It's a come and see. And the connotation of that just feels much more, uh, it feels much more liberative than, than coercive, right? Um, it's still up to you. You do whatever you want, you know? Come just come and see. Check it out. Uh, which is a... I mean, that makes it sound like being a chill host. I don't mean it quite that way. But I mean... But, but there is this sense of, like... Uh, there, there's an openness to it. There's an opening of a door rather than a... Um, an instruction, or basic instruction before. I think a part of what it is, Matt, my uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, it's not tongue-in-cheek, it's just weird, and I should probably change it, uh, job title on Facebook is uh, Theological Cartographer, because um, I was on a kick with that maybe six or seven years ago now, um, and haven't bothered to change it. Um, but I think that's a really important part of a pastor's job, um, is to help people see the theological landscape of the world that exists that sometimes we cannot see. Um, so that the call is discerning who you are, but it is also discerning the time and place in which you you find yourself. Uh, and so you got to do sometimes, I think it's much more helpful to help interpret the signs than it is uh, the signs of the times to help people see the way things are, uh, to state the obvious sometimes. Uh, than it is to tell people what to do. So, to go back to the events of the day um, in which we saw uh, violence, um, which looked like, could look like, right, a show of strength. Um, but the, the Christian theological lens pointed on those events demonstrates, right, that it's actually uh, a display of, weak, of weakness, of powerlessness, of brokenness. Uh, and not just because, like, the federal government has enough, like, can out-military power them and put down the rebellion, right? Um, but because only broken um, people, only uh, captive folks uh, who are bound to this desperation for power um, would en engage in those sorts of events. Uh, it's, and the liberation comes with seeing that, like, you know, I mean, it's the complete cruciform thing here, right? That, that Jesus of Nazareth is the one, uh, that this insignificant person is the one who you should herald as the... As the coming king, that it's Eli. I, I hear in Eli's, it's it, let the Lord do what what seems good to him. Freedom. Uh, I mean, I can't like. Um, it sounds exciting. I'm excited for Raphael Warnock to uh, to go up there and, and be in the Senate. Uh, you know, like seeing clergy up there these days. Um, but I can't imagine how awful it it would actually be <laughs> to be a senator, right? Let alone a priest in a political court in a, in a like absolute monarchy sort of situation, and have to play all the political games that because that's all about keeping power, and that's completely antithetical to what the call is. Um, because because the we th the, the way the world sees things right is that by the accumulation of power is how you become powerful, and yet what these texts are already proclaiming in the first chapter of John is that that's not true at all. Uh, that in fact it is through your powerlessness you are freed and that you are empowered. Um, so interpreting the signs in order to say 
that there's freedom because I got to hit this because my songs won't make any sense, Matt. Follow. I did a little Greek, a little Greek study, Matt. A koluthai, a koluthai, which is a koluthai, which is um, which means the same road. Uh, it's an invitation to come walk the same road as me, the same way. Hey, that's what the early Christians called this whole movement, the way. Um, and that's why the Mandalorian uses that line, because there's religious resonance and power in that, that statement. This is the way. Uh, it's freedom to say there is another way. Come and walk this way is what that come and see um, is, because you're revealing a way that we did not see that we didn't know it was there. We thought we had to walk this one road and there's another option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I like all of that. Um, to help people see that, that theological landscape and to, to unveil some of that. I, I think, I, I mean, there are obviously other stories in the Bible with military uh, things going on in them. But I, I think especially this week, it's worth noticing that that's not what we have here. And that uh, while there were those who expected Jesus to be uh, an armed militia person, uh, and maybe there was cause for armed militia uh, under the Roman Empire, uh, instead, Jesus shows up uh, as a as an organizer who's out here calling people to, to do this thing. I just, you know, we could, you could unpack what that looks like, but I think there's a very clear contrast between rules into town um, and donkey, right? Between, between what we see, right. And what Jesus is doing over here. Like if, and if you were to spend uh, some time in a sermon talking about what Jesus is doing over here uh, with some of this organizing and, and building coalitions and walking along the same road as people uh, and, and that kind of work toward uh, a land of justice um, uh, and mercy, that's, that'd be a pretty strong contrast to draw. And I think would preach. Mm -hmm. And at that, I mean, I think the thing, last thing I want to hit Matt, uh, cause I, I will get fussy about Facebook posts and stuff. Um, that there is a, I suppose a place for Facebook posts and stuff, but that, that in the, the work that I've been engaged in with college students, one of the biggest ways, the most important ways that we help people become a part of our community to help them walk another way. Uh, you know, of course, not just for the sake of us having more numbers. I know that people are, are becoming a part of our community when they go on a trip with us, whether it's a retreat or a spring break trip or, you know, go to Spain. Um, and folks, and we have to honor that Folks have to trust us a lot before you go with me somewhere, right? Before you get in an unmarked white van uh, and let me take you up into the mountains. Um, and that work happens on a very individual, building hu like real human relationships to trust me enough to go walk this road that maybe you didn't even know existed. Um, and that happens week over week um, around the table with you knowing that I care about you, right? And helping to build a trusting relationship so that then I can start to, you might actually care what I, the, about the, the theological landscape that I see um, and might be, be willing to take a risk to walk this new road. Yeah, 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 amen. And I, I one of the reasons I think that is uh, important to do that, to, and that's a really powerful description of it, to go on those, to go on trips. Um, 
I, I've, see, I've seen that as well uh, in my own context. Is that like, I, I think one of the temptations is to see something not normal, like we saw today, and say the solution is to be normal, to get back to what it was the day before. Uh, if we just stop doing, stop storming the Capitol, then everything would be fine, right? Like that's, we just, what we really want to do is just maintain tranquility. Mm -hmm. But that's not quite it either, right? And so to refocus on the thing that Jesus is doing instead, um, which is all those things that you just described, I think that is definitely worth, it, it's not enough to just say, hey, don't do this. Um, but it is, it, it, I think it's equally valuable in preaching to, to lay out the thing that God actually is doing. Uh, in place of that, which is a di which is disruptive work. It's just disruptive in a very different way. I mean, it's like the commandments, right? The worst ones are the negative ones because they're super easy to follow and they don't actually give much shape to life. Yeah, it's pretty easy for me not to murder people day to day, but what do I do with the rest of my time that I'm not murdering? <laughs> Good question, Zach. What are you doing? What do with I the rest do with the rest of my time? Not murder. I didn't murder or adultery today, Matt. But I was pretty bored. I didn't know what else to twiddle my thumbs. Well, one of the things we do here on the Bible Preachers is that we uh, listen to music. I do. That's what music. I do with the other time. <laughs> Zach, uh, I mean, this is the Vinyl Preacher, uh, and we both are having a vinyl season. I mean, you got uh, you got something old, new, uh, made new uh, by a by a vinyl wizard. Uh, which is just Dr. extraordinary. Dan, I, got, I got a, a new uh, record player, and I just am uh, so enjoy it. It's like one of the best purchases I think I've made in a long I time. So I so enjoy enjoyed the it. comments on your Facebook picture of it, of people admiring it, because I yeah. knew how good that had. Like, I felt good about how much <laughs> people were admiring your 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 record player because I knew how good it, it, it must feel for you. Man, I, I want to post one every day and then I'm like, I don't want to be Tim Brown. You don't want to be Tim Brown. I feel, I feel like that's his lane. I don't want to take his lane. <laughs> but uh, so last week, my discovery uh, in vinyl uh, Landia was uh, dropping the needle in that moment before it starts mm -hmm. to play as it crackles a little bit. Uh, but today, uh, we did our gifts exchange this morning because we had a crazy advent and Christmas, and it was Epiphany. We thought, oh, that's a fun, like, backup alternative to, to gift exchange. Uh, and Chris got me uh, several vinyl records, and she was like, but this is what she told me. She says, I'm so happy to be able to buy you music again because when it was just streaming, <laughs> yeah, what could I, what like, can I'm not going to get you a CD. But now I can get you, it's something I can give to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, um, hmm. so she uh, really thoughtfully got me music of con because we missed seeing concerts this year she got me mm -hmm. music of concerts we'd seen in the past and valued so I made a Staples record a uh, Stevie Wonder record which both of whom we'd seen at Millennium Park or not Millennium one of both in Chicago um, and then she tried to get me the new Killers album because she thought I didn't have it uh, which I didn't because it took <laughs> six months to arrive <laughs> and then it arrived yesterday and I was like look what finally got here and she was like well, you're gonna you sell it on eBay for for significant <laughs> right. amount. But uh, anyway, final. It's a way you can give gifts to people. I hadn't thought of that. That's great, Matt. I, I have like visceral memories. I remember very vividly. I believe I was in eighth grade. The Christmas I got my disc man. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. it was paired with. Oasis is Be Here Now, like the follow-up yeah. album. And I, I, I can see myself sitting in the back seat of the Chevy Suburban on the way to my grandparents' house for Christmas, playing that record, that CD, over and over and over again. Um, yeah, nobody mm -hmm. had gifted... I, I was gifted vinyl this year, and I, I hadn't thought about that. Nobody's gifted me music since... Right? 
college? Mm-hmm. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, maybe there were yeah. some burn CDs along the way, but it's been a long time. Right. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So feel free to send your vinyl gifts to the Vinyl Preacher to uh, <laughs> Vinyl Preacher headquarters at 1001 yep. 13th Street in Boulder, Colorado, 80302. Love it. Love it. So what are you uh, what are you listening to? I'm uh, I'm listening to uh, a record that I've currently in the process of trying to figure out how to acquire uh, from a group that I saw in the theater there on the backside underneath Millennium Park. What was that? Have you ever been no. to a show there? Like what that place is called? No. Um, there's like an indoor theater like underneath the stage of Millennium Park in Chicago. Um, and Hannah and I had gotten to the mag- magnetic fields our last year of seminary, like kind of quickly. And on a whim, I think Hannah did it for a birthday or something, like saw that they were playing a show that night and found like two random tickets on the sixth row of this like magnetic field show when they were touring for the album Realism, uh, which is really good and you should check it out. And uh, I think Hannah's favorite track off of that album is Walk a Lonely Road. Uh, so check that out. I think that's what, you know, Jesus is doing that same like walk alone because it can be a road that is not uh, popular, happy, fun, necessarily all the time. But walk a lonely road with me is a very beautiful song. Uh, the chorus goes, uh, walk a lonely road with me and I will walk with you. Um, walk a lonely road. Oh, gosh, I'm going to look it up, Matt, because it's too, too good. <laughs> there we go. Walk a lonely road with me and I will walk with you. Half as lonely we will be when we walk as two. So good. So good. Then, Matt, uh, another road song, uh, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road, just a lovely song from Lucinda Williams. And finally, Matt, I'm just keeping on, keeping on with my Laurel Canyon exploration. I uh, had heard uh, Hannah, actually, back in our courting days, 10th grade, Matt, 11th grade, one of the things we did uh, is uh, we made mixtapes for each other, um, right? Like, that's that's how old we are. We were some of the last people to make actual mixtapes because uh, I didn't have a CD burner. I did burn, right. eventually did burn CDs for it, but I had to go to my friend's house because he had the burner. Right, yep, I remember um, those days. And it took forever because you had to put in a C- you had to put the CD you had into the CD player. Right. Yep. Download you did the, the track. CD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you put in. You had to do all of that for every single song, and then you put your CD in and burned it, and it took forever. And sometimes Very time it, consuming. Sometimes it didn't work because you had to do like the right formatting and stuff, or yep. if you bought the wrong kind of because they were data CDs that weren't couldn't play oh, yeah. music blanks. This right. is hard stuff. It was much easier with, with uh, cassettes. And uh, one of the songs that was put on there was uh, Our House by uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And uh, I think of it, but then I'd always kind of felt kind of hokey, like it was a little hokey. But I've been listening to it a lot and playing it a lot lately. And it's a great song, Matt. It's a great song. And um, it is a great song, especially after reading that uh, story about Laurel Kenyon. You're like, oh, it's an actual house. Where, like, it's an actual house. Joni Mitchell. And you're like, what? <laughs> he saw cats even... out the window. They had actual cats in the yard. Yeah. Um, it was like they're having a beautiful day, and he was like, I'm going to write a song about this. And now I hear it, I go, oh. It is. You get to be like, we, you deserve, vinyl listener, a beautiful day in your house. Every once in a while, you deserve one of those. I know you've been in our houses for a long time, and if you're like me, there haven't been many beautiful days. Uh, but you deserve one, even if it's only last about three and a half minutes. Amazing. Amazing. Well, 
Uh, I've got three songs from three uh, very different musical experiences later lately. So streaming, uh, one of the one of my favorite Christmas albums to listen to is the Staple Singers, the 25th day of December, which is just a it's phenomenal. You can find it on Spotify. Uh, but when I play it on Spotify, then when it finishes the album, it goes to like play other music like this, mm-hmm. uh, which has also created just a incredible playlist just from that album. Um, and one of the songs that always comes up then is uh, Wilson Pickett's Many Roads hmm. to Travel. So as you're talking about roads here, Many Roads to Travel, uh, Wilson Pickett, good stuff. Wilson Pickett, uh, pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, I'll check it out. That's new to new to me. Yeah, it was it was new to me too, but it's excellent. Um, and then, um, uh, of course, the first uh, album that I put on my new record player was U2's first album, Boy. Uh, and here's their lead single, I Will Follow. I Will Follow, always an important song. For this Sunday of Follow Me. Uh, and then finally, uh, our friends Genesis, Love one em. of your favorite bands, Love em. Uh, has a song called Follow You, Follow Me. Let me tell you a brief story uh, about Genesis. I hope that this uh, works out. We're recording this now. It's not going to be put up until Sunday, right? Or maybe. That's the plan. Later. Uh, so I'm lucky enough. Uh, I don't even have to preach this Sunday. Uh, our guest a former guest of the pod Tuhina uh, it just it's going to preach for me out of the blue I'm very grateful oh, yeah. uh, to her for doing that uh, and then I met with my worship team to plan uh, worship for that Sunday uh, and I said I really love we were talking about songs we could do uh, for the baptism of our Lord and I said you know I really like Wade in the Water It's it's got this great anticipatory feeling like something's about mm-hmm. to happen you know like you can just feel something and then one of the other people in the call said I can feel it come in the air tonight <laughs> and I was like yes oh I love that song you know and I thought we'd just have a good laugh about it and they they were like you want us to do it we could do it <laughs> uh, so they're gonna rewrite the words of in the That's air fantastic. Uh, with some gospel words, uh, and they were like, "Yeah, Mike. Mike is our drummer. He can do the drums. Can he do the drum break? part? Like comes in, but, um, but, and they all knew exactly what it was. It was incredible. Uh, so we're gonna see how this goes. I hope it actually comes to fruition. Genesis kind of having a moment a, with that the video of like the two guys listening to it for the first time. <laughs> no, they lose their mind. I mean, yeah. So uh, if we actually get a, a Phil Collins song. Uh, in our worship service this Sunday, uh, which should precede Tuhina's sermon. She doesn't know about it. Uh, I'm excited to see That's if fantastic. this happens. If it happens, uh, I'm going to go to church to St. Mark's on Sunday to see what happens. <laughs> We're going to see if this happens. I don't know. I hope it all works out. But there's my Genesis story, and I'm sticking to it. I love it. Matt, did you run the uh, that Spotify bot that made fun of your music choices for the year? No. <laughs> We should, that? we should do that. I'll send it to you next week's episode. I think next week, Matt, if you're okay with it, we're going to do some on, on-air scheduling. I think we're going to have one of my students, Marion Walmer, come on the podcast. Marion uh, writes for the CU Independent uh, as uh, on music. Uh, he's kind of doing music journalism stuff and has interviewed some like really people so hip, I don't know who they are. So... Um, so if you're mistakenly listening to this podcast and thinking, wow, Matt and Zach... Gosh, they stay on top of music stuff. Uh, <laughs> no one's thinking that. No one. No one. It will be. The truth will be revealed next week. On the podcast. Epiphany. <laughs> Light shines. It'll be. It'll be real. Real. As real as Samuel's words to Eli. That works. <laughs>